Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. Listen, today is our final installment of this series that we're doing right now entitled Beyond the 52. Beyond the 52. And, and, and the basis of this message is what does look, being a Christian look like the other days of the week outside of Sunday morning, right? Beyond the 52 Sundays that we gather where everybody knows we're Christian because we show up to this place where most Christians show up called the church, what does Sunday morning look like? I mean, not, well, not Sunday morning, but what does being a Christian look like? Can we hit these lights right here, please? It's kind of warm in here, right? And so that's what we've been talking about for these past two weeks. The first week, we, we, we talked about... Uh, 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 we, we, we talked about koinonia, being in fellowship with one another, right? We talked about koinonia and how it is important to be in fellowship with each other. If I'm a believer, it's extremely important to be in fellowship with other believers. Why? Because who's going to encourage me, right? Who's, gonna, who's going to tell me, you know what, uh, all of the promises God made to you are yes and amen. Who's going to tell me as a Christian when I'm walking this life that, hey, let me pray for you. Uh, who, who's going to help me when I'm, when I'm struggling, right? If you're not in fellowship, well, you don't have that. The second week, which is last week, we talked about... Um, are you living a life? We ask the question, are you living a life worthy of the sacrifice of Christ? In other words, is your walk worthy is what we talked about last week. And then I share with you all a very important, a very important fact that the very first spiritual gift that we received as believers was not the gift of speaking in tongues, was not the gift of healing, was not the gift of teaching and preaching, but the very first spiritual gift that we received once we became believers was the spiritual gift called grace, right? Because grace is a spiritual thing. It's not something you can hold on to tangibly. It's not something you can purchase. It's something that you freely receive the minute you become a Christian. And we talked about also that that church is meant for, ready, is meant for uh, equipping the saints, Right. And we talked about equipping. What is equipping? We talked about equipping being the Greek word equipping is mending your nets. That's what it means. It means to the the Greek word for equipping simply means mending your nets. And Jesus told us what? I'm going to make you fishers of who? But you need nets to do that. And so when we are equipping, we are uh, mending our nets. Amen. Before I get into what thus says the Lord for today, I want to invite you to, to, to for a moment to see what Mosaic Church is all about. I want to share with you our mission statement. I want to share with you uh, what we believe. Every week we've committed our hearts to doing this corporately, saying our mission statement together because it's so important that you understand uh, what your church believes. It's so important that you understand what we're all about. And so before we even get into the message, I want to make sure that we say this corporately. Our mission statement is to reach people far from Christ, to teach the authentic word of God, 
and to love like Jesus loves. That's what we're all about here at Mosaic Church. So at any point, if you're thinking about joining this mission and this movement, this is what you're jumping into. This is what you're tagging your, tagging your, your, your wheel to. This is what you're hitching your wagon to. These four, four important principles to reach, teach, serve, and love. And that's what we're all about. And everything that we preach, everything that we do, where we put our hard-earned income belong to these four important tenets in our mission statement of Mosaic Church, to reach, teach, serve, and love. Today, I want to show you how you can do that in your own walk as a Christian. I want to show you today how, as a Christian, you can live that out. So the first week, koinonia, the fellowship. The second week, we talked about, is your walk worthy? And today, I'm going to challenge you. How do you be a Christian in a world that doesn't look anything like what you believe? How do I be a Christian? How can I be an effective Christian? How can my witness be effective in a world that seems to be falling apart? How can my witness be effective in a world that seems to have given up on God? How can I, as a Christian, be effective in my witness to people who, who don't think the church is still relevant? How can I be in the world but not of it. And that's what we want to talk about today. How can you be in the world and not of it? How do you live as a Christian in a broken world? The first thing I want to challenge you to understand, my brothers and sisters here, is that when we look at the word world from a biblical standpoint, there are three biblical definitions of the word world, and I'll use scripture to validate my point. When I look at the word world, there are three active definitions according to biblical understanding to define this one word world. Uh, the first we must understand, the biblical uh, understanding of the world is the first one is, uh, uh, is that the created world. Okay, when we look at the word world in the Bible, it's the created world. That's the first definition, biblical definition of the world, uh, the created world. God made the world and everything in it according to Acts chapter 17, verse 24. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in a man-made temples, right? So the first definition of the word world is the created world. It's the thing that God spoke into existence. That's the first biblical definition of the word world. The second definition of the word world, according to biblical uh, understanding, is the inhabitants of the earth whom God loves and for whom Christ died for, according to John 3.16. For God so loved the world, meaning the inhabitants of the thing that he created. Are y'all walking with me so far? Let me know if I lose you, I'll go rewind for you, all right? So the first definition is the thing he created, the world, and then the next definition of the world are the people who inhabit the, things he, the thing he created, the world. The third one is going to mess you up just a little bit, but it's okay. Just walk with me. I'll, I'll help us get through it. The next one is, is, is the thing we call the cosmos, okay? The cosmos. Now, that's not a word we use all the time, and you may have heard it. You may not have heard it. The cosmos is simply this. The cosmos is the world system. 
Okay? The cosmos is the world system that, ready, that Satan rules over. And this world system, check it out now, is based on self, it's based on greed, and it's based on pride. So whenever we read in the Bible and we hear this saying, be in the world, not of the world, what they're saying here is this, be not of the system of the world. Are y'all with me? It's not saying be not of the people of the world because how can I love them if I'm not with them or among them? It's not saying disassociate yourself from people who don't go to church. It's not saying disassociate yourself from people who don't believe what you believe. No, no, no. God so loved the world, the inhabitants, but he warns us to stay away from the world, the cosmos. So this is where I want to help us today because we live, ready? This is where it's going to get deep, in the cosmos. We live in the cosmos. We dwell. Your address is in the cosmos where we're meeting at right now in this holy temple, this wonderful sanctuary, this blessed place where we know that God is dwelling and living among us. This address right now is among the cosmos. We are in the world system called the cosmos, which is, watch this, based on self, greed, and pride. This is why we have to have a holy temple. This is why we have to have a holy day. This is why we have to have a holy fellowship because we live in a place filled with pride, filled with greed, filled with self-fulfillment. I remember there was a song out, I got to get mine, you got to get yours. Yeah, I got to get mine, but yeah, you got to get yours. I used to jam to that song. Y'all saw me popping my fingers just now because I hear the beat. I got to get mine. You got to get your Right? That was the jam back in the days if you are a true hip-hop head. But it was a cosmos-type song. The early church was not built upon self, greed, or pride. The early church was never built on self, Greed or pride. How do I know that? Well, when, the, when, when Peter came out of the upper room, they got out there. Peter saw the crowd. He was like, yo, okay, okay. They come from all over the place. Okay, all right. Yo, 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 hand me that mic real quick. Peter grabbed the mic and preached a revival message that flipped the world upside down. So much, in fact, that the people there, the Bible tells us, thousands of them instantly became followers and part of this movement called the way, which you and I today call Christianity. But it didn't stop there. Once they did that, they were so in love with complete strangers that they didn't even know. They were like, yo, how do we keep this thing going? I don't got no money, I don't got no money, but I got some land, sell it. Let's keep this thing going. Bible says that they were filled with so much love and adoration and appreciation for this new thing called the way that they sold their possessions so that nobody lacked in any area. That's powerful because what did I just say? The early church didn't suffer from self, pride, or greed. Now, I don't know everybody's business. I don't. But if I was to do some math right here, 
in this sanctuary. Oh, it's a lot of money in here. Glory to God. It's a lot of money in here. And I'm not here to talk about money. I'm not here to talk about possessions because guess what? That's of the world. But my point is this. When we're thinking about money, when we're thinking about giving of our time and our money and our talent, oftentimes we think about us first and then God second. Oh, man, pastor, you need us to help decorate the church. Hold on. Let me check my calendar. Jesus never said, oh, you need a blessing. Let me check my calendar. When you needed that promotion, Jesus never said, hold on, let me check my calendar. When you wanted healing, Jesus never said, wait a minute now, let me see who else I need to heal first. No, he immediately responded to your prayer request. He didn't put you on hold to wait. He didn't check his calendar. He didn't check his bank account. He immediately responded to your request. But we make Jesus wait. Well, it's not Jesus I'm making wait, Pastor. I mean, I got a schedule, man. It's the church. Do you not realize the church is Jesus? I'm sick and tired of people trying to separate that. You cannot have, as I said to you last week, there's a Christian without a church family is like a human without relatives. Do you know of any human on this earth that exists without relatives? No. But we know people who claim to be Christians that refuse to go to church. Y'all ain't got to amen that. I'll do it myself. Amen. amen. And that's such a fallacy to believe that you can be an actual follower of Christ and say that I love Jesus. I love the Lord, but you're not up in the church. How can you love the Lord but ignore his bride. That's hypocritical. So when the world looks at the church and says, y'all are full of hypocrites, I say, you're right, we're just missing you. (laughs) We need more hypocrites. We need more people to, to, to understand that you cannot live this thing called Christianity outside of this relationship called the church. So when we talk about uh, the world, let me get back to that. The world, the church is in the world. But watch this. The church is the thing that will change the world if the world will give the church a try. Amen. Catch what I just said. The world, the church is in the world. We are in the cosmos. We are in the cosmos. We are in the land of greed, pride, and, and, and selfish ambition. And guess what? I'm not talking about America on this one. I'm talking about from a world standpoint, from the earth standpoint. We exist in a land, in a place, in an atmosphere where pride, greed, and and selfish ambitions penetrate the heart and mind of so many. How do you have so many billionaires, but there are still people asleep on the street in the world? How do you have, I I was with my family my, 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 my in-laws for Thanksgiving and my father-in-law, he loves YouTube. Like that's his thing, right? And he watches mainly like grilling stuff. He likes grilling and cooking stuff, that type of thing. And he's always excited to show me a new YouTube video he saw. 
And so this one, he was excited to show me these machines that break trees and then shred them all at the same time. It was amazing. And I just found myself caught up in watching this, even though I wasn't interested. But it was good, so much so that I ended up watching a couple episodes on my own. Don't tell nobody, all right? But, but, but that's not what I want to talk about. So we're looking at YouTube, and he wants to show me this video. And then I saw, you know, when you're looking for a video, you see suggested videos. And so I saw a suggested video that said... 10 of the world's wealthiest people of color. And the whole video had to do with the toys they have. Really? $3 million Bugattis. $6 million uh, uh, Bentleys. That, that, that you can't shoot the windows out. I mean, I mean, just, I looked at it, and I looked at these people, Right? These billionaires, there's only a handful, not even a handful, it was only a few from America. Most of them were from Africa. And I'm sitting here saying to myself, look at these brothers and sisters, there's a couple of sisters in Africa where they have the highest rate of AIDS. People are dying from them, dying from AIDS and HIV. Where, where, where the average kid can't even get immunization. Right? Where poverty is like real poverty. What we experience in America, we're poor. Right? It's a different level of poverty. Like we can at least get, if, if, we, if, we, if we go and have ID, we can at least get food stamps. We can get WIC. Right? Uh, they, no hospital can deny you. Right? If, you're, if a woman is pregnant. Right. Our our infant, our infant uh, mortality rate is very low compared to other places in Africa. And you got these billionaires with these fancy Bugattis and 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 fancy cars. But these people in the same country where they're billionaires are really dying from stuff where they could be healed from. That bothered me. And here's the other part. And they're Christian. I'm like, don't don't even don't even don't even say that, man. Don't even say that. Don't, don't, don't put Christian uh, on, on, in, in that mix of what you do because it just makes us all look bad. It bothers me to see all these billionaires, but yet we're still got, we still have people that are homeless. Now let's just talk about even in this country, right? We have all of these billionaires, but we have one of the worst education systems in the world. We're so far behind, it's ridiculous. They're sending people over here. People are always talking about, oh, uh, America this, America that. But we're still recruiting overseas because we're so far behind in our education. We're still telling people to get business degrees. That's how far behind we are when everybody else is focused on technology, cybersecurity. But we're still telling our kids to get business degrees. We're not training them up well. We're so far behind, but we got all these billionaires who are not investing, watch this, into our public school education system. I digress. And a lot of them are Christian. A lot of them are Christian. That's a problem. But you know what it is? It's because we live in the cosmos. We can't help it. We live in the cosmos. We live in the part of the world that's full of greed, pride, Selfish ambition. And I'm guilty. I'm guilty just like you are. We all are guilty, right? We all want to look good. 
We want nice houses. We want our kids to get the best education. I'm with you on that. I want the same thing for my kids. But we have to have balance. Bible says this in Romans 12, 2. This world that God warns us about. Here it is. You can find it in Romans 12, 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world. Right? Do not be conformed to this world. Let me tell you what that scripture is really saying, because y'all know I like to exegete the text. I'll exegete the text till I can't exegete it no more. Right? Do not be conformed to this world. Oftentimes you hear that it's like, oh, don't let the world change you. No, 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 no. You're already in the world. So you can't be, the, watch this. We're born into sin, right? We're born sinners, right? So the world never changed us. We were already part of the world. We were all, we we're born into the cosmos. So the world never changed us. We were already a part of that system. But when it says do not be conformed, it's saying don't let the world shape you. You're already in it. You already exist in it. You're already born a sinner, but don't let what's around you shape you. Do not be conformed. Be, do not be shaped and molded by the world. But then it says this. Then it helps you out. But be transformed. Catch the words. The writer was intentional with the words they used. Don't be shaped, conformed by the world, but be transformed. So in other words, we're born into this world. We're born into the cosmos. We exist in the cosmos. The church we're in right now is in the cosmos, right? But we don't have to let the cosmos dictate and shape our thinking, dictate and shape who we believe in. We don't have to let the cosmos be an idol. So how do we not do that? Well, the Bible tells us in the very next line, be transformed, not change. Transformation is a permanent change. Wake up. Transformation is permanent, not temporary, not something. I change my clothes. I change my mind. But my soul is transformed when I accepted Christ into my life. I don't act like I used to act. I don't go where I used to go. I don't say stuff I used to say. I don't hang with folk I used to hang with. Why? Because I've been transformed and not changed. There's a difference. So the Bible says, don't let the world shape you. Don't let the world dictate your future, but transform, permanently change your thinking, permanently change your position, permanently change your thought patterns. Here it is permanently change your residence and that's where we get be not in the world be in the world but not of the world you can't help where you live at we all live on earth and we're gonna be on the earth until we get the past to glory so you have to live where you're at you have to be where you're at this is where we're going this is our temporary home by the way but we have to be transformed in how we live in it. We have to be transformed in how we navigate in this world. Watch what Galatians says. Galatians 1 4 says this Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned. Why? In order to rescue us from the evil world, the cosmos. Catch what I just said. Jesus gave his life. This is why he gave his life, 
so that we can live where we live. Okay, it ain't make sense. All right, I got to fix it. I got to fix it. Here it is. Jesus died on the cross so that we can live in peace in the cosmos. What does that mean, Pastor B? Well, before when you lived in the cosmos and you acted like you lived in the cosmos and you committed certain sins, guess what? Your penalty was literally death. But Jesus said, I'm going to take it and I'm going to nail it on the cross with me. So now your penalty is grace. Oh, man, y'all got to catch that. I'm going to give you grace to live in the place of greed, selfish ambitions, and pride. I'm going to give you grace so that when you fall into the cosmos and start acting like you live in the cosmos and not preparing for the eternity, the great by and by that I plan for you, I will give you grace to bring you back on track. He says, I died in Galatians. He said, I died so that you can live in the land of the dead. Because we got a lot of people walking around here dead. It's a whole lot of zombies. And I know y'all love, what's that thing, walking dead? I know y'all love that, which you shot here in Atlanta. But the truth of the matter is, there's a lot of truth in that. A lot of us are walking around like zombies. I'm just going to say it this way. There's a whole generation of young folk that are zombified. They're privileged. They feel that they know everything. As adults, we know nothing. (laughs) Like we've never lived before them. We just existed as their parents. Like we woke up and, hey, we're grown parents and we don't know nothing about existence. We were never children. They have all the answers because they can Google it. (laughs) But they've not experienced it. And statistics tell us we'll lose a whole generation that will never come to church. And it's not their fault. How are they going to know God is important if they don't see it? How are they going to know church is important if they ain't never gone? How are they going to know reading the Bible is essential if they never seen you open your Bible? Shh, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about your neighbor. How are they going to know that Jesus is real if they've never seen you pray and seen the manifestations of your prayer happen through, through Jesus Christ? It's not their fault when they give up on church. It's not their fault when they stop believing in God. It's not their fault when they stop believing that, that, that Jesus is real. They're only basing off of what they see or don't see. And we can help them. We can save them. We are the ones that can save them. So let me help you walk this, this, this Christian walk out in a broken world. Here it is. Number one, you have to let your lifestyle preach for you. I like the way that sounds. I might say it again. You have to let your lifestyle preach for you. Stop going around preaching to everybody. When you, I, I know some of y'all, y'all got saved and you, man, yo, yo, man, yo, 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 Jesus is real. God is Lord. Da, 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 da. You know, you're dropping it because you're so excited because you got this new salvation. But, you know, you're preaching and you're saying one thing, but you don't look like nothing you're preaching about. Yeah. Let your lifestyle preach for you. 
Let your lifestyle preach for you. Watch what the Bible says. I'm going to help you with this. First Peter chapter 2, verse 12 says this. It says, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors, those who are in the cosmos. Then even they, then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior. Some, some scriptures say your good deeds, and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Catch what Peter is saying to this church. He said, don't go preaching a whole bunch of scripture. Don't go pointing them to your pastor's podcast and nothing like that. No, no, no. Live a life that's so wholesome, that's so awesome, that's so full of grace, peace, love, and mercy that they have no other way to give thanks except to God. Live a life. That looks like what you've been preaching. Live a life that looks like what you've been reading. If you've been reading the Bible. Right? Live a life that looks like why you show up on Sunday morning. Live a life like you actually learned something and made it and, and applied it to your life. Right? You didn't just come here to hear a good message. You didn't just come here to see your friends. No, you came here and you said, man, Pastor B, that makes sense. I'm going to start doing that in my life now and let the people that you are surrounded by at work, in your community, your neighbors, at the coffee shop, at the gas station, at the supermarket, everywhere you go, let them see your good works. Let your lifestyle preach for you. Not your words. I think C.S. Lewis, or one of the great scholars, said it one time. He said, uh, he said, uh, he said, he said, he said, he said, he said, preach the word often and every now and again use words. <laughs> and that's what we're saying here. Live a lifestyle. Let your lifestyle preach. Watch this. When we talk about good deeds, even Jesus said it in Matthew 5, verse 14 through 16. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everything in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. How are you behaving outside of Sunday morning? Everybody can guess you're a Christian by what you do on Sunday. Oh, you went to church? Yeah, you must be a Christian. Only Christians go to that place called a church, right? If you were a Muslim and you said, hey, I'm going to Friday Friday prayer at the mosque, I'd automatically assume that you're a Muslim, right? If you're going uh, for Saturday Sabbath uh, in, in the synagogue, I would assume that you're a Jew, right? So if you're going to church on Sunday, the world can assume, watch this, that you are a But do you look like it? Let your lifestyle preach for you. Number two, love the people of the world, not the stuff. I like the way that sounds. Love the people of the world, not the stuff of the world. All right? Love the people of the world, not the stuff of the world. And that's where we have greed. We have pride. We have selfish ambition. 1 John 2.15 says this, do not love this world, here it is, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. That's the stuff of the world, right? When you love the stuff that's in the cosmos, right? Influence, right? 
uh, financial security. We all want that. We need it in this country, right? right? But I can't love that more than I love Jesus. I can't. That means I put more faith in what my boss is going to do. I put more faith. Watch this. I put more faith in his signature on the check than the signature on my heart. And when you put more faith in the signature on the check and then not enough signature on then and then the signature on your heart, guess what? You are operating in the cosmos. We need our jobs. Come on now, somebody. Amen. I need my I love when that direct deposit hits when I'm after teaching. Oh, it feels good, right? But whether it come or not, I'm looking at the signature on my heart. When he looked at me and saw a wretch like me and saved me, that's far more important. He will never leave nor forsake me, but the company can shut down. He will never leave nor forsake me, but they can downsize tomorrow. He will never leave or forsake me, but my wife can get tired of me and take the bags and go, right? He will never leave or forsake me, but y'all can stop coming to church. But God is still faithful. So that's why I put my faith in the signature on my heart, not on the stuff of this world. Verse 16, for the world only offers, the world offers only, here it is, a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. That's so powerful. Because Paul told us this, right? Didn't Paul tell us this? He said, listen, I'm, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I, and listen, I, listen, if there's anybody who know the law, nobody knows it better than me. Uh, I had status. I know my family lineage. I had a little bit of influence. I had a little bit of money, but I count all of that worthless compared to the relationship that I have with Christ. That's a man that's living in the world, but not of the world. Paul gave us the example. I may have all of this stuff. I may have a million dollars in the bank, CDs and escrow and all of this other stuff, property all over the place, but none of that compares, watch this, to the relationship I have with Christ. King Solomon taught us the same thing. King Solomon had wives and side chicks. He had more money than anybody else could have. He actually built a temple for the Lord and received great honor for it. He was the wisest king. But even Solomon in his latter days came to some conclusion that said, all of the stuff I had in this world compares not to the relationship that I have with God. Because there's a man that's no longer living in the cosmos. See, the cosmos fills every physical craving we have. Influence, relationships, money, status. This is why we like to look good, smell good, drive good, live good, eat good, right? Because we in the cosmos. There ain't nothing wrong with that. I like to look good, smell good, feel good, live good, drive good, even though I'm only driving a Kia right now, but I, I still drive good. Love my swag wagon. Huh? But y'all don't know this about me. I'm a discount junkie, right? I can look like a million bucks, but be only have $25 on me. Huh? 
all the way from the socks to the undies. Uh, the whole pack is probably $25. Huh? So I get it. We all love these things, but we cannot love these things more than we love Christ. We cannot love the, we have to, though we live in the world, we have to operate outside of it. We're from a different mindset. First Corinthians, watch this. I'm not saying disassociate yourself with people of the world. I'm not saying to no longer even live in the world, right? Because some people go to the extreme. I'm no longer watching this kind of programming. I'm no longer on social media. I'm not listening to secular music. I'd be tripping out when I hear that. I'm like, if you're a parent and you don't pause for a moment to listen to secular music, then something wrong with you. That's poor parenting. And I'm not saying enjoy it, but listen to it. Know what the heck your kids are listening to when they go to school. I'm being real. You're a parent and you're like, oh, social media is the devil. Exactly. But since you're letting your child on, you need to be on there understanding the lingo. The lingo. They speak a whole other language, these young folk. You got to know what, you know, some of these, uh, these little letters and stuff mean. Right? You got you to gotta know where they're getting their influence from. We have to. Oh, I don't, I, don't, I don't look at, I don't watch secular movies. Why not? You have to know what's influencing your people. You ain't got to enjoy it. Now, if you enjoy it, you know, well, that's, that's a bonus, I guess. You know? I don't care what you say. I like Game of Thrones. I'm still mad it's off. Amen. No, ain't nothing godly about it. Amen. But it kind of reminds me of the battles that David fought in the Old Testament. I was so glad to see that they put Love Jones on Netflix. I know that that's, that's kind of worldly, but it kind of reminds me of the poetry that we find in the Song of Solomon. Can I fix it, Elder? Let me stop. Seriously. So here's what, here's what Paul says to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10, he says this. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. Then he says, hold on, but let, let me fix what I'm saying. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave this whole world to avoid people like that. If I'm not among them, how can I reach them? If I'm hanging around just holy folk all the time, how can I reach people who the world deems as unholy? If I'm hanging around people that uh, Jesus is, you know, uh, uh, the, the Lord is good all the time, all the time God is good. If I'm hanging around them people, how you doing? Oh, blessed and highly favored. I need to hang around some people that ain't blessed or highly favored. I need to hang around some people that's like, listen, I'm about 50 cent away from eviction. I need some help. I need to hang around with some people that's like, yo, you see this white towel? Yeah, bro, I'm throwing it in. I need to hang out with some people that's got one foot here in the church and another foot right out here. It's like secular Sam. <laughs> that's one of Sam's personalities there is sanctified Sam but I love to have secular Sam on my side too I know if anybody got my back secular Sam is there to take care of business sanctified Sam he's cool too but boy it's good to have secular Sam glory to God <laughs> <laughs> See, he, only he can wear sunglasses in church. <laughs> Secular Sam, ladies and gentlemen. 
Number, <laughs> number three, make God your priority. I'm done right here. Make God your priority. So number one, let your lifestyle preach for you. Number two, love the people of the world, not the stuff, right? We love the stuff more than we love the people. This is why we don't give to help the people. And number three, make God your priority. And, 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 and we don't do that. I'm just being real. We don't. And I'm not talking about just your schedule, right? But your lifestyle. I'm not talking about the tithe. No, no, no. We're not talking about any of that. We're just talking about your lifestyle. Watch this. This, this is how you can judge. Ready? This is how you can judge who's first in your life, right? Do you pray to God? Only when something happens or are you speaking to him every day? Here's what I often say, and I know y'all see that. He ain't going to bother you. He, he liked the word too, right? Check this out. God should never be your last resort. God should always be your first option. So if I'm praying to God every day when things are great, when everything is good, when I'm praying to God, God, you know what? I ain't, I ain't got nothing to ask you for today, but you know, oh, ooh, that was a breath. Thank you, God, for the breath I took. Oh, man, I'm going to the pantry. I'm like, man, I'm hungry. Oh, my goodness, what am I going to eat? Standing in the refrigerator with the refrigerator door open for about 15 minutes. Colossal waste of energy. But that's what we do, right? Man, what am I going to eat? Refrigerator's so full, and you're like, man, I ain't got nothing to eat here. <laughs> Fix your thinking. Fix your thinking, Right? Oh, man, you know, you, you drive in your car and you envying other people's car. Fix your thinking. Make some adjustments. Right? You got a house and your friend buy a new house and you're like, oh, man, I can't wait to get a new house. Listen, you got a house. Praise God for your house. Glory to God. Because guess what? The house you have on earth compares nothing to the mansion you have in heaven. And that's the deed that I want. Is God first in your life? What do you do when you first wake up? Huh? I know some of y'all, I grab my phone, Pastor, but I go right to you, you version. You know, doggone well, you don't go to new you version. Your fingers are trained to go to Instagram. You be trying to go to you version, be like, oh, notice. Oh, who texted me? You plan to go to you version, but you got distracted on your way. I get it. But honestly, when God is your priority, there's nothing that gets in the way of you giving him your first, your first hour of the day, your first of your talent, your first of your schedule, your first of your finances, right? When God is first, everything is built around him being a priority, not anything else. And what happens is we give God leftovers. Pastor, I'll be at the church to help out, man, if I got time. Oh, oh, man, man, I, 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 I'll, I'll be over there. To, I'll get my talent and with everything, but uh, if I have time. I hear people say this one. This one gets me all the time. Pastor, I would, you know, I, I, I would love to sign up for that, but I, you know what? I don't want to commit to something and let you down. And I'd be like, well, then don't let me down. Just sign up. Don't, I, I don't like that. And the thing is, this is where we are in the world where somebody feels comfortable enough to say, I don't want to sign up, pastor, because I don't want to let you, I don't want to commit to something and I can't keep my commitments. But, but you keep your commitment at your job. Yeah, but they give me a paycheck. Yeah, because you focus on the signature on the check, not the signature on your heart. 
And if you're not focused on the signature on your check, you focused on the signature on the dollar bills. If you're not focused on that, you focus on the signature of the promotion. And God is like, have I not given you everything? And why are you giving me secondary and the leftovers? Is that all I'm good for? Is the leftovers? I never give you leftovers. I always give you the greatest. Why are you giving me the leftovers? And even though you give me the leftovers, I'm still here like, baby, I love you. Why do we treat God that way? Like an ex that we're tired of seeing. Why do we treat Jesus like an ex in our inbox? Because that's what we're doing. We're ignoring him and all he's saying is, give me your time. Give me your best, not your leftovers. Do I not deserve that? I hung up on the cross so that no longer does your sin mean death. You should be dead for some of the stuff you do. Come on now. Come on now. Listen, I'm going to put my hands and my feet up. I should definitely be dead for the stuff I used to do. I'm going to step further and say, as a Christian even. I ain't talking about before Christian. I had a past then. But the minute I became a believer and didn't change my ways, I should be dead. But he said, no, son. Because you understand you jacked up. Because you understand that you messed up. Take this gift. It's grace. Let that hold you because I know you're going to be back. I got some more when you come back. But take this for now. This is what he gave us. And this is what we do. Let me check my schedule, pastor. Bump that. Bump your schedule. Where does God fit? Build your schedule around him, not build your, build your schedule around him. Not the opposite. Don't try to squeeze him into your schedule. He deserves so much more. And it breaks my heart. This is how we treat a God that loved us while we were yet sinners. And he's not our priority. He is not. He is not 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 our priority. It breaks my heart. I'm not perfect. But my God, I'm trying my best to be perfect in his eyes. And I always want to give him the first of everything. It's not because I'm the pastor. Forget this title. I, don't, I, never, I didn't even want to be a pastor. Now it's personal. But he chose me to be. But before I was a pastor, and I think that's why he promoted me, because of my faithfulness. Didn't want it. Didn't ask for it. But the promotion was because of my faithfulness in putting him first. I don't even know what these next five years will look like for me. But I will always put him first. Will you put him first? When we ask you to do things at the church, it's not for the church. Let me fix it. It's not for Mosaic Church. It's for the body of Christ. So when we say do this or that for the church, we ask of your time and we ask of your talent. We ask of your finances. Listen, I ain't listen. Until I pull up in a Maybach, I ain't taking y'all money. So get over your trust issues already. This ain't that kind of church. But if you walk in here and see that raggedy door and you're okay with it, that's a problem. If you walk in here and see a wasp problem and you're okay with it, that's that's a problem. All of those things that you may not be okay with requires, I don't want your money. God doesn't even want your money. He wants your heart. 
But your heart belonged to the money because your signature, you're focused on the signature on the check, the signature on the dollar bill, not the signature that's engraved permanently on your heart. All right, I've lectured y'all enough. The amens have stopped. (laughs) So I close by saying this. How do you as a Christian live and operate in a world that is in the cosmos? Let the world see where your commitment and devotion is. While other Christians are pledging their allegiance to a flag, while other Christians are pledging their allegiance to a president, why don't we be the church that pledge our allegiances? To Christ, who sits on a throne that he can never be removed from. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.